Welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Brought to you by SATC Solution Center, L3C. Welcome to another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. I'm Nathan Loverich, a legal assistant with SATC Law. And for this episode, I'm here with Teresa Ging, owner of Sugar Bliss Cake Boutique and Sugar Bliss Patisserie. Teresa, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, you could say that I've been doing a little research and background <laughs> on your company for some time. I've been a proud supporter and customer of your cake shop for a while and uh, bought quite a few cake pops, but um, I'm really excited to get to talk about the shop and, mm -hmm. and what it is and where it's, been, where it's gone. But I want to start with learning a little about your background and what brought you here to Chicago and where you're at now. So can you can you share with us a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. Um, so I was born and raised in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, I came to Chicago to go to University of Chicago. Um, to, you know, this is back in 1996. Um, I graduated in 2000 with a BA in Econ and Stat. Um, I was mesmerized by Lakeshore. I thought it looked like uh, the ocean. Um, I came in June to visit the campus, let alone I did not know what Chicago winter <laughs> was like, given that I was in Chicago, uh, Texas. But um, I came here to uh, study business. Um, when I graduated in 2000, um, I went on to do uh, investment banking um, at Bear Stern for a couple years um, in the Chicago office. And then I left there to go work for GTCR, which is a private equity firm. I worked there for a couple years. Um, and then I finished my finance career at uh, Credit Suisse doing equity research for consumer products. So I did about six plus years of finance um, before leaving that world. And so when you were at the University of mm -hmm. Chicago, obviously a great university, did you have an idea this is what I want to get into finance was it something that you were really passionate about or was it something that just kind of made sense for you um you know when I was younger I I wanted to be a doctor and I want to be a pediatrician and then I took uh chemistry and that was just my downfall so then I decided I think I want to do something in business so when I was applying for colleges um I, I always looked at like a business program so I kind of knew that but I didn't know while I was at University of Chicago what specifically in business and at University of Chicago, mostly they, at that time, they would uh, recruit for consulting or investment banking. So I just did better at the investment banking interviews and the sure. consulting. So that was kind of like the path there, but um, never did baking before, before that. <laughs> yeah. Um, as a, a woman in this field, mm -hmm. especially at a very young age, what was it like for you to think about going into what is still a male dominated field and say, okay, you know, this is where I want to start, and what was it like for you to be a part of that and to go on those interviews and to be in those rooms? It's been almost 20 years since I did the whole recruiting and stuff, um, and it, it, I mean, of course, I've left finance now for almost 15 years, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, when I got my job at Bear Stearns, I was in a room with probably 15 other guys interviewing. I was the only female. Wow. When I took the, on the job of uh, at Bear Stearns in the Chicago office, I was the only female analyst. I imagine it's still pretty male-dominated. Um, and funny thing is, one of the reasons why I left finance was because I was up for promotion, and um, 
I was ranked higher than some of my male colleagues and I got passed up for promotion. And that was kind of one of the reasons why I like left finance because of the politics. Yeah. What do you think it is about your personality that worked really well for finance though, or that? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, being at University of Chicago, um, it's such a difficult school and I just felt like it prepared me for any kind of, you know, work ethic out there. So, um, and even now with, you know, um, being an an owner of a bakery, it's not a nine to five job. You know what I mean? Um, I was up at six and I probably won't leave until seven. I probably work investment banking hours still, but I do like what I'm doing, but, um, I'm very easy to get along with, um, especially in equity research because you have to sell stocks and you have to talk to institutional investors. Um, you have to be very good at selling. Um, and I think that helped when I actually worked at Banana Republic and Gap when I was in high school and college. So I did internships too. So I think all those different work environments helped me and once I graduated from college and, and go into finance. Yeah, and was there a moment for you where you thought, I want to do something different, or you sort of realized I'm really good at baking and I can turn this into something. Was there a moment or was it just something that you're like, I need to make a change or, or what was it about that time for you that kind of got you going in this direction? You know, I did six years of finance. I did like what I was doing. You know, I thought I really did like analyzing stocks you know, um, understanding the businesses. Like I covered so many different industries and stocks. I did um, food service, uh, like Cisco and Performance Food Group, uh, or food service distributors. I did uh, food retail, such as Albertson Safeway. I did packaged foods, like crafts. So I did a lot of food, not knowing that I would actually go into the food (laughs) business. Um, And I even covered stocks such as business services, such as like ADP, which does payroll processing, which we use at Sugar Bliss, and and HR services. So it was kind of funny that I covered stocks that were very relevant to what I do now, you know. And I was up for promotion, and um, I had – they had a lot of criteria that you had to do, like I had to have a level uh, one CFA, you had to do this mock call, all these criteria, and I passed them. And I unfortunately did not get promoted, um, and my male colleagues that were ranked below me did. And, you know, I wasn't too thrilled about that. And, you know, my boss was like, well, let's wait until next year. And I was like, I'm already a fifth-year associate, and I'm also um, teaching MBA grads how to do my job, you know, and so I was like, you know, this is not going to fly with me to wait another year. And I'm sure everyone has been through a point in their job where they feel like they should have been promoted, right? So I was in New York at the time. One of my friends was making cupcakes. And again, I had never baked in my entire life. And she was sifting powdered sugar to make buttercream. And I was like, can I try that? That looks kind of therapeutic. So she let me try sifting powdered sugar. And that was kind of my aha moment. So I came back to Chicago, um, started, I bought like five different uh, cupcake books, bought flour, sugar, oil, like all the ingredients and started testing it. And, you know, of course I have all these cupcakes and I'm bringing it to the office and my male colleagues are like, <laughs> she lost her mind. <laughs> and then one of my other good friends, um, before she went to MBA, she uh, went to Le Cordon. They have a baking program and they all have a culinary program and she did the culinary program so I was like well let me look into this and so um they had a baking program in Paris so I was like yeah I'm, I'm, I'm leaving and I'm gonna 
take some time off, go to pastry school, and then see where that goes. So, you know, it was kind of like that was my aha moment, you know, a friend baking cupcakes. I had never wow. baked cupcakes before. Um, in fact, the first time I ever made cupcakes was red velvet. And I was at home, and I was like, okay, so – Um, vegetable oil I don't have vegetable I have olive oil so I put olive oil in it and it was like this dense olive oil flavored you know cupcake and I was like okay olive oil for cooking vegetable oil for baking (laughs) so that was like my first baking so I never baked even in college like I have friends always ask me like you know did you bake in college and we just didn't know and I was like no you know like if you had told me back in college I was going to open a bakery I'd been like you've lost your mind go study more but um yeah it was just certain things happen in life so and what did your community think when you told them you're going to culinary school I know that you talked about your friends in college kind of saying are you crazy but what about the people around you your your family and those close to you what did they think about you quitting a field that is pretty lucrative and probably doing pretty well Mm -hmm. in despite getting passed up for the promotion, um, what did your community think about what you were wanting to do? Um, obviously, um, you know, going to University of Chicago is not cheap. And um, I think my mom was like, you know, my mom is very, like, hardcore Asian. My dad actually um, got his MBA, did computer science, then left and now does uh, acupuncture herbs. So my mom was like, okay, this entrepreneurial spirit comes from mm-hmm. that side of the family. So when I told my mom, she was like, okay, so this is kind of like a hobby, right? You're like, you're kind of like doing this for fun, you know? And I was like, sure, okay. So I went to pastry school. And of course, you know, you have to tell my, with my mom and most Asian families, you have to give them a timeline. So I was like, okay, if I don't do anything I will go back to finance within a year. And so she's like, okay, you know. So, you know, I went to pastry school for – I did, like, a six-month program squashed into three months. They have this, like – it's called uh, Accelerator Intensive Program. So I came back, and then I really liked what I did. So I was like, okay, I have nine months to, like, (laughs) you know, until I, you know, the time is ticking. And so I got back, and I started looking for retail spaces and started, like, business planning. And my mom's like – so how's that hobby going? I'm like, hobby's going good, you know? And so, yeah. like, I literally, I mean, again, you know, I was 27, 28 at the time. And so, I mean, I'm old. I'm an adult, you know? And so she's, I mean, she's not going to be like, you need to go back to finance. But I never asked my parents for money for to start my business or anything like that, you know? So I think she was just kind of worried that, you know, they spent, like, over probably $120,000 in tuition. And I'm going to, like, open a restaurant, you know? Yeah. like most you don't want your child to do that you want your child to like be a lawyer a doctor you know someone in finance so it took my mom a little bit of time and then when I opened the store um within the first three months um I got actually invited to the White House and so my mom was like okay maybe this (laughs) is like legit now you know and then um after that happened she's I think she realized like you know not that she wasn't proud of me, but it was like more vocal about it. So I remember one time a customer calling me saying, um, I met your mom on the plane. I was like, Oh, and I was like, how'd you meet her? And he's like, Oh, you know, she was passing out your cupcakes. Oh my gosh. And so I think that was when she realized that what like, okay, this is a legit, 
yeah. career now. You know, now it's been, you know, 12 plus years, you know. So, and my dad, who's like more free spirited, he's just like, go great, you know, go do what you want to do, you know. But it was a little bit hard with my mom. Um, my sister, who is 12 years younger than me, um, you know, again, she was, when I was doing it, she was like maybe in high school or something like that. So she's like, great, you know, and all my friends are like supportive, you know. I think they're all like envious, like, oh, mm -hmm. how do I get out of this finance job, you know. Um, and the funny thing is my sister just opened her bakery um, a couple weeks ago. Wow. So now it's like in the family. <laughs> Never knew, <laughs> so, yeah. huh? I know, exactly. Um, I know there are a lot of scary things about starting a business, mm -hmm. but can you share with us a little bit about what you were feeling maybe that was a little scary and how you kind of battled that and got over that and kept going to get the business open? Yeah, I mean, I actually never took a how to open a business class, you know, anything. I mean, there's no book out there really to, I mean, there's books out there like, you know, how to start a business, but there's not like how to start a cupcake business in Chicago, yeah. you know, like, um, so, I mean, it was a lot of just like learning on my own, you know, um, from everything from, you know, like business planning, I took what I learned in finance, like doing pitch books, and I had to like do a PowerPoint presentation so I could um, show the bank, you know, and at the time, you know, I, I was investing some of my money that I'd saved for the last six years from bonuses, but I also was asking the bank for money mm -hmm. and not like a small sum, you mm -hmm. know, and so they're putting a lien on my house. Like, I'm just like, okay, like this has to, be successful because the bank's going to come after my condo. Um, I put a personal guarantee with the lease, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, but it's weird because like it kind of scared me, but it was like, I mean, you have to work hard and not let this fail. You know what I mean? Right. So I never thought in my head like this can fail, you know? So I think I just kept being, having a positive attitude yeah. toward it. Yeah. Yeah. And there are multiple sides, obviously of, of opening a cake shop, I'm sure, but you kind of put all the baking stuff together and then you put all the business stuff together mm -hmm. and you have to be the one to take care of both ends of yeah. that. But for the business stuff, starting a business, doing everything with the Secretary of State that you need to do, yeah. all your reporting stuff, um, did you handle all that individually or did you have people who, who helped you with that or how did you take care of all the business aspect of actually getting started? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it I did on my, like, I did my LLC and FIN number and all that good stuff. Um, I also utilized, um, the WBDC, which is a women's business development center. Okay. Um, it has like finance and marketing and stuff like that. And most of the finance I kind of knew, but I was like, you know, the marketing part, you know, it's good to always like learn more stuff. Yeah. So, um, I did that program. Um, I think it was like a six to eight week program, but I mean, again, I just kind of like was on the computer looking up how to like go about this, you know, cause I didn't really have any friends that had started their business, let alone in Chicago, you mm -hmm. know, like I didn't know I needed like a resale license and you know, all this stuff and like, um, workers comp and stuff like that. So there's like things I learned. I mean, the can probably sometimes go to your bank and be like, I need some money for my alone, but I was asking for a significant amount. So what was good is that the WBDC has relationships with different banks. And so they prepare like a package. And so they kind of go to like three different banks okay. on behalf of you. Um, so they have your like business plan, your projections, your credit score, your personal financial statements. And so they shop the banks for you. And then, um, but the interesting thing is again, 
one of the hurdles of getting a bank loan was one of the banks actually uh, discriminated me um, based upon that I didn't have a secondary income because I wasn't married. Mm. Um, and they the she thought I was a bit young. And it was weird because it was a woman also. And so at the time, I was like, you know, what does that mean? Like, what if I had a stay-at-home husband, you know? I mean, nowadays, like, there's entrepreneurs at 18, any age, you know? So, again, I wasn't too happy with that situation. So I asked her who her boss was. She wouldn't give it to me. Then I called the bank, found out her boss, talked to her boss, and I said, look, I'm looking for a bank to fund me if I want to open one store, 10 stores, a million stores. And believe me, the next day I got it, the bank approved, you know, because that, that's not a criteria that you should be discriminated um, or you should be judged on your business loan only on, you know, like not your age or, you know, race right. or gender and stuff. Right. So, I mean, that was a little bit frustrating, but I was just like, you just have to keep moving on, you know. And again, with the build out, the first store, the same thing. I had contractors. I think they look at me and think okay like does she know anything mm -hmm. and then i feel like i know more about construction management than i should ever know and my first store brand new store right and i didn't have heat there it was january 5th 2009 wow. when i opened and found out the electrical electrical is blaming hvac hvac is blaming electrical um somehow the heat is above the ceiling tiles i'm like fix it you know i need heat down right. where my customers are also so that the cupcakes don't freeze i had not enough drain uh, uh drains in the kitchen and my contractor is telling me that um it got past plumbing inspectors i had to call the plumbing inspector so it you know sometimes you do get i mean taken advantage whether they don't think that you're old enough or you look young or you know you don't know what you're doing but i mean it's not that hard to read architectural plans so but yeah, I mean, in every store that I've built, I've had some kind of hiccup. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, tell me about being a female business owner and sort of how you've experienced people coming around you. And it sounds like people have been pretty supportive and you've mm -hmm. had different organizations. And um, I, I've seen that you've had people recognize you as a female business owner. But tell me about being a female business owner and what that looks like in the business community and kind of how they support you in that. Yeah, I mean, when I first started, um, it was just like, I'm just a business owner, you know. Um, and I feel like in the last couple of years with this whole women's movement and us supporting women, um, I feel like maybe in the first five to ten years, like, other women business owners kind of like, hmm, you know, not as supportive. But with the whole women's movement, I feel like we're all, I mean – women are supporting women, which is great. You know, like, um, I just met a, a woman that, um, from a woman networking event and she does, uh, coffee and it's, I love supporting local businesses, but Hey, if it's a woman local business, awesome. And so, you know, I'm going to have a meeting with her to chat. Maybe we'll use her coffee at our stores, you know? So, um, you know, it's, it's almost like a domino effect. You know, I think like now a lot of women are, shying away from the cattiness you know and being like hey let's support each other how do we how do i use you how do you know what i mean so yeah. it's i've definitely seen a difference in the last couple of years i mean we have on both stores that were women owned and we have customers that come in all the time they're like oh my gosh i you know i'm coming in because i see the woman owned business you yeah. know so you know i mean i'm sure this whatever statistics out there is that women businesses are definitely growing 
yeah and it's sort of this raising each other up supporting yeah. each other kind yeah. of thing and yeah i think maybe that has been a big attributor to why female business owners female executives mm-hmm. are not only being respected more but you're seeing more of them being put into place yeah. and sort of getting a space at the table mm-hmm. which obviously has been der- deserved for quite some time yeah. i mean even um you know we're wb certified and which is women business enterprise and minority business enterprise certified. So, um, you know, I've definitely done a lot more like women networking events and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. And you've been doing this for some time now. You said your first store opened in 2009. Yeah. Um, And so it's been great. I know that it's grown, but I'm sure there are still struggles. There are still things that happen from day to day that make it difficult. But have you figured out systems that sort of help you handle those things? Or um, are there other employees there who have kind of made those easier and you, you deal with those things in a different way now? Or do you still sort of just handle things on your own each day and kind of go through uh, that? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, we're a small business, so we have less than 15 employees. and. Uh, you know, we have a lot of, not, I mean, not a lot of turnover, but we have more than I'd like turnover, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I wish I could have employees that stay, like, five or six years, or, you know, like, it's a little bit different, like, than in the corporate world. Even though we do promote and stuff like that, it's just that, you know, people move on faster, you know? Yeah. And so then you're back to square one, you know? So I'm, like, always telling my district manager I'm like I feel like we're always at square one like you know like we just hired uh three new counter staff you know and I mean Carla who's my district manager she's been there for three years you know but it's great to have staff like that um but yeah I mean it's always the people part that's always the challenging whether it's employees or customers you know you always want to make sure the customers enjoy the cupcakes and stuff like that um and then, you know, dealing with employees, making sure they show up on time, good customer service, you know. Um, the cupcakes never talk back, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, um, on a day-to-day, I mean, like, I'm still baking, even though Carla wants to kick me out of the kitchen. I mean, like, when I go back, when I leave here, I'm going to be making a last-minute uh, cookie order, you know, uh, that I have to be decorated a certain way. And right now, I'm the only person that knows how to decorate or ice and cookies. So, I need to hire someone that uh, knows how to do that. Yeah. So, but I mean, I do enjoy it. But you know, obviously, uh, my day is like you know, I probably work like ninety hours a week. I need to get my paperwork done, but I'm also in the store a lot. I mean, you always see me in the yeah. store. So, <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen you every time I'm there. Um, you're <laughs> if I'm not there, you're like one of the two stores. Yeah, yeah. So, um, with your district manager and then with the other uh-huh. employees that have been there a long time, I know hospitality is all about the customers and Mm -hmm. it's all about making sure they're happy and taking care of their needs. So what is it about that field that sort of drives you to give your best to the customer Mm -hmm. and to even try to make it better every time? What is it about this hospitality that sort of drives you to do well? I mean, ultimately it's, um, you know, with customers, like I just it makes me happy when they're happy with the product. Um, if it's a custom cake order and they're like, wow, this looks great, you know, it makes me mm-hmm. happy. I guess 
you know, I always strive to make sure that the customer is happy. I mean, a, a lot of times with large orders, I'll follow up and make sure, you know, um, that everything went well, you know. And, you know, 99% of it goes well. And then sometimes I'll be like, hey, there were a couple cupcakes that toppled over. Mm. must have been during delivery, you know. And then I have to kind of remind our delivery, like, be careful, you know, or – so, I mean, but then they appreciate that. And then, you know, we'll give them like a, you know, credit for, you know, something that happened damaged during delivery. Um, and then they'll reorder. You know, I always tell my staff, we've been around for 12 years. All these customers are not one-time customers. We want them to keep coming back. I mean, I have a woman that literally has ordered a pure chocolate cupcake for every Wednesday or Friday, because that's when we have it, for the last 10 plus years, wow. you know. And she'll know when, like, Somebody scooped the cupcake a little bit smaller, you know, she'll be like, and I'm like, yep, she knows, you know, and I tell my staff, I'm like, you have to make sure we scoop everything's to size. All the sugar bliss blossoms have to be the size. So, I mean, it's just making sure quality, you know what I mean? Um, and, you know, there are times when, like earlier, there was a cake that we did and the top of it wasn't very smooth and, you know, I could just give the customer the cake, you know. Yeah. But I was like, oh, so I like took off the icing and then redid it. It looks mm. much better. But it, it's like I don't ever want something to go out that's not 100%. You know, like right. I want everything to taste good, look good. I want them to feel like this is like the best cupcake they ever had. Yeah. And so you feel like addressing the concern is, is always the best route. You say, yeah, okay, yeah. I understand there was something wrong and I'm going to do something yeah. to fix it. But it's always important to address their concern yeah, with yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we always respond to customers' inquiries or complaints quickly, you know. Um, like, I even had a customer today, and she was from a not-for-profit, and she was like, oh, you know, I just – she's like, are you the owner? I was like, yeah. She's like, I just wanted to let you know, like, we wanted to, um, a delivery, but it's just a four – like, we can't do a four-hour window. And I was like, oh, well, we can do a shorter window. It's just that our delivery service – we use the outside delivery service and sometimes they don't know that. Okay. And when we tell them that they're like, Oh, you know, like it's not us delivering it. Right. And then the outside delivery service, they charge us for tighter windows, like um, $5 more or $10 more, you know, and they don't know that because I don't want her to think, Oh, we're just not accommodating to right. her time period. It's right. just that we have to outsource the delivery. And most, you know, I've been doing this for 10 plus years. Most customers are like, fine you know like whatever delivery window you know uh, and they're willing to pay it but I understand some customers aren't so it's just like letting them knowledge is power I guess like they know that we we can offer um, a tire window but we just it's not us trying to make money off of it right. yeah yeah and I'm sure the internet has changed a lot yeah. over the years obviously and it's changed the way you do business a mm -hmm. little bit and so do you feel like online shopping and online ordering has made business better for you and made it easier to go about your business? It's certainly changed, but do you feel like it's changed for the better for Sugar Bliss particularly? I mean, ever since we opened, we always had online ordering. Um, yeah. and um, But also, you know, we take phone orders and emails. So we've always been on top of online ordering. Um, we just revamped our website a couple years ago. So as, <laughs> if you wanted to order cupcakes, cake pops, or macaroons, you would have to submit three different order forms. Oh. So we've seen an increase in number of, like, they'll be like, okay, I want, like, a dozen mini cupcakes and six boxes of macaroons and cake pops. So it was, like, one of those things, like, we're like, 
why didn't I do this a long time ago? But anyways, I mean, it was, it's been, it was a couple years ago that we uh, updated it. But yeah, I mean, as we, cause when I first started, we just were doing cupcakes and then we added all these other product lines and we just needed to get our website a little bit more, you know, yeah. fancier. <laughs> so you always try and stay on top of those. Trends yeah. Yeah. I mean, we try to, media. yeah, exactly. Social. Yeah. I mean, like we post every day. Um, I'd like to post twice a day, but there are times where I'm like, Oh, did I already post? Oh, I already did. You know, it's <laughs> like, I mean, right now I'm posting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I eventually want to get someone that is savvy with social media to post for it. anyone out there. <laughs> yeah. There's some 18 year old yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, probably yeah, yeah, the yeah, most yeah. savvy people. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. I just find it so interesting how social media has just expanded and just really blown open the way that people do business. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you see, businesses you wouldn't think would have Instagram accounts and Facebook accounts and and they're posting every day and they're doing these boomerang shots and everything and I've seen the stuff that that your shop does and it's always I mean it's just amazing yeah what you can do now and just how far your reach can really go now Mm -hmm. social media is interesting it's um we don't see like when we post something like there's just like this following or like people storming through the door you know what I mean um and maybe we just need the right social media person to go out there and do the, all the hashtags and stuff like that. But, um, but it's good, th- you know, to get still like we have customers that are like, oh, I saw this cupcake. You know, it yeah. it's not like a huge revenue stream, you know, yet. So I know yeah. some places like the moment they post. I mean, I think very rare, but there are some places that can post and it just drives revenue quickly. And do you feel like you try and treat social media? Like you're reaching out to customers, like you're treating them the same as you're treating the customers that come in the store where you're trying to sort of connect with them in that same way? Or is it just a really different way of connecting with people, trying to reach people you may actually never see? Yeah. I mean, I look at, I just recently looked at all of our followers and there are people from like Australia that follow us. And how do they find us? I'm not sure. I mean, they probably were like, whenever we post something, we do a bunch of hashtags. So like hashtag cakes. So they might be following hashtag cakes and then they see us, you know, something Mm -hmm. like that. We see so many different types of people following us um, from bloggers to just random people. Um, And we try to follow back if it's like pertinent. Um, It's a very interesting thing. I mean, when I first started, it was just Facebook. Yeah. And now it's Instagram, a little bit of Twitter, but, you know, it's mostly Instagram. It's just with food. Yeah. Let's talk for a minute about the enterprising woman of the year because uh, I happen to be sitting with her. So congratulations (laughs) on being named that. Um, Tell me about the enterprising woman of the year as an organization and then what it means for you to, to win their award this year. Yeah. So um, enterprising woman um, is, it's a magazine and they do, you know, um, I think they publish like every month and every year, um, it's a great group of women. Um, every year they have a conference and they recognize women in different, um, revenue categories. So, um, there's probably, I think about 10 women in my revenue category and then they have all the way up to like over a billion, I think in revenue. So, um, and it's all different types of industries. Like, um, I became really good friends with a woman, um, in Kenya and she does a construction company. So it's also international. Hetty Ratner, who's the fa- co- one of the co-founders of WWC, um, nominated me. Okay. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's the enterprising. It's a conference, and um, you network with a, a lot of great women. 
you learn different uh, different workshops and um, and then at the very end um, it's a celebration and you get um, an award so yeah so it was great yeah well I know that Sugar Bliss has received some great accolades and a lot of people talk about it and, and love the product um, but tell us what what's next for Sugar Bliss where do you where would you love to take it if you could just dream as big as you could what do you imagine Sugar Bliss to be someday um yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I kind of take it year by year. It's kind of funny because when I started in 2007, you know, the whole idea of Sugar Bliss, it was just to, like, open a retail storefront, one, uh, and I opened that one. And then, you know, I, you know, had my little store and stuff, and it was great. Um, and then the location at the Palmer House, that location, they came to me, mm-hmm. and I was like, mm, do I want to open another one? And it was very close to our original store, so I had to do something different. Like, I couldn't do the same products. So we have some similar products, but some different. Um, and then, again, this storefront um, that we're opening um, near the Willis Tower, um, again, that location. And so, I mean, I I never constantly go seek more locations. They kind of come to me. And I'm really strategic about locations. Like, people are like, why don't you open on the suburbs? Or why do you open in Wisconsin or Milwaukee? I'm like... Because I will have to commute there all the time, you know. So it's a work-life balance thing. But um, yeah, I just kind of take it year by year, you know. I mean, this year um, we're opening um, that location, and you know. But I don't know. Like, I don't have any plans of opening like 20 stores. Um, yeah. We'll see. Uh, maybe retire in like 15. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. I mean, who knows? Um, you know, I mean, I like what I'm doing and you know, the new store we're like right now testing a bunch of new products. So, um, that we'll be adding on. So, I mean, as long as I find it fun, I think I'll just, you know, keep, but I mean, in regards to the number of locations, I'm really strategic about what locations I want to open. Yeah. yeah. And so right now there's a location on Randolph and Wabash Yes. that sells cupcakes and cake pops mostly yes correct? Yeah. and then you have the palmer house location which is near monroe and wabash mm-hmm. which sells some really amazing yeah. treats some like that look as big as your head but you've got the macaroons and some cupcakes and uh, seen rice cookies, crispy treats yeah. and cookies and mm-hmm. all kinds of amazing stuff little tartlets mm-hmm. and such and then um, plans coming for a third location near the as you said, the Willis Tower, and so hopefully closer towards the end of 2019, we'll yeah. see. So you want to hear something crazy? So the first store, the address is 115 North Wabash. So the second store is 122 South Wabash. So obviously they're both on Wabash, right? So that was very confusing for my mom because she thought <laughs> when I opened, she's like, you have the wrong address on it. I'm like, no, mom. So the third store is 122 South Franklin. So it's like we're having the same number of digits and I'm just like, Oh my gosh. And so yeah. I told my realtor, I was like, I guess the fourth store will have to be on Franklin somewhere. Yeah. Just have to connect either the, the street number or the street name. So have to look it's at, like, so weird that it's like one twenty two. Yeah. Know? So yeah. I was like, are you sure? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, can we do like one twenty four? you know, just to mix it up. Well, I mean, it's great to see it growing. It, it's been fun to, to get to talk to you over the years mm-hmm. and get to see, the business boom and I, I love hearing people who talk about it even around here we have some people who enjoy your your desserts well they all enjoy it but yeah, <laughs> some yeah. who get to stop by there yeah um I'd like you to just close this out and give us a thought for especially younger people who are looking to do their own thing who are maybe 
you know, in the corporate world or doing something that they're not exactly passionate about and have an idea or have that spark or have that, as you said, that enterprising spirit, that entrepreneuring spirit to say, you know, I want to do something big, but I'm worried or I'm scared or I'm not mm -hmm. sure. Can you give us a closing thought as to what you would tell someone and, and maybe especially to a young female who's thinking about going along the same sort of route? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, always people ask me, like, um, should I quit my job and just do, you know, open my own business? And I'm like, I can't answer that, you know. I mean, for me, um, you know, I was – I had six years of finance. I definitely could not have opened the bakery fresh out of college. I didn't have the idea. I don't think I had the maturity level. I mean, it's hard, you know, for me to say, you know, quit your job and then open your own business. I did give myself a deadline. You know, I was like, I'll do this for a year and if not, it actually took me two years because I did do the one year, but then, you know, of course, negotiating the lease and all that stuff. So two years. But, um, and I don't regret, I mean, I, I think for me, I needed to kind of step back, go to pastry school, take that time off, you know, and like mm -hmm. develop the business. Um, but everyone's different, you know. But I think that if you have an idea, you should go for it, you know. I mean, whether to quit your job and do it solely that's your choice and you got to look at your finances and everything like that I'm glad that everything happened um, you know fortunately I didn't get promoted but hey you know it developed in a business that I'm happy I'm doing um, you know in finance world there's constant turnover and I probably would have 20 items or 20 uh, jobs in my resume because finance you know um, but I mean if you're passionate about you know whatever it is you know you want to create whatever type of business jewelry or, you know, tech company, um, you know, I would say start out and see baby steps and then um, go from there. And mm -hmm. then, you know, as opposed to quitting your job, but Hey, everyone's different, you know, definitely would say do it, you know, cause I don't, I don't look back on it. I'm glad I did. You know? Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here with us today. It's been great to chat yeah, and catch up and really great insight into that. So thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot. So thank you for joining us for today's episode with Sugar Bliss. Be sure to connect with SATC Law on LinkedIn or Facebook and follow Bridging Chicago on Instagram and Twitter to get all the updates on the podcast and other great features. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solution Center. As always, feel free to reach out to us on social media with your comments and suggestions. You can email us at solutioncenter at satcltd.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, where our handle is at BridgingChicago. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guests. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of the SATC Solutions Center, Shank Annis Tepper Campbell, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the host and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts, 
under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including, but not limited to, or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding.